grab a seat. Friends, life is all about the adoration of Jesus Christ. And all of life is about the adoration of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all, all to the glory of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15 says, For the love of Christ controls us. The love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ rules us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him. The follower of Jesus Christ is to be all about the adoration of Jesus Christ. Easy to say. And pretty easy to sing. But what does that look like? I mean, seriously, what does that look like? Have you wondered that? Um, what does a marriage that brings glory and pleasure to God, what does a marriage like that look like? What does a career that's about the glory of Christ, seriously, what does that look like? What does God-honoring parenting look like? What about finances? What about sex? What about decision-making? What about all of life? Well, I bring that up because when Karen and I were in our late 20s, right around 30, we were married. Um, Happily, we had two little kids. And uh, they were a blast. <laughs> They're bigger and they still are. Um, my career was just skyrocketing at the time. Uh, we were serving in our church. And yet, frankly, there was a part of things where there was a frustration going on. I mean, we'd grown up in church all our lives, all our lives. And we had married life and parenting and career and church life and all these things going on. And I was just like, how does all this fit? And we genuinely wanted to be the kind of individuals and the kind of couple that brought honor to God. But it was kind of growing up all the time. It was, it was like we thought that the answer to everything was pray harder and read the Bible more consistently. And everything will just come together. Now, we're all about praying. Praying is a good thing. And reading the Bible is a very good thing. But there was still this thing where we're like, I think we're getting there, I think. You know what I'm talking about? Because I, I think you do. <laughs> and uh, 
Because we've found over the years that most people are like just where we were at. Uh, genuinely wanting, but just not sure how and not sure what it looked like. And kind of things at church remained in fuzzy land. Love God. Okay, cool. But like how? How? Well, it was right around that period of time We had some people help us. We were able to take some training and some help. And I am telling you, folks, it was like, why didn't anyone teach us this stuff before? Like before I got married. Like before we had kids. Because it really would have (laughs) helped. Because we're trying, but it's fuzzy. It's kind of hocus-pocus, wiffle-dust world. And I don't live in that world. I live in married world, parenting world, career world, money world, problem-solving world, church world. And God, help. And people came along and helped us move us along to put some things in place to where I'm like, so that's the purpose of marriage. Well... That would have been nice to have known a while ago. So that's what God's design for parenting looks like. Ah, I can start working on that. So that's how you're supposed to handle and look at finances from God's point of view? Oh, wow, sweet, bring it on. So that's a biblical view of sexual intimacy? Never heard that one. And just on and on and on. And so where we're at is we are at the place of starting a new series. And we're starting this series called Bringing It Home. And today is a preparation day as we enter this series. Because all of these things that are listed over here, kind of the first three there have to do with marriage, then the next three with parenting, and then the last three just with various key areas of life. Those are areas that we were trying to look for answers from, weren't we, hon? And I'm so excited about the opportunity to, by God's grace, bring to you the truths from God's word that's practical and real. Okay? And we're going to be delving into this study to take a look. And uh, frankly, I'm just kind of an open and honest guy. Frankly, I don't like preaching introductory weeks because it's like we're going to talk about what we're going to talk about and so i say we're going to talk about stuff you can take home and do and then it's like next week (laughs) and that's kind of frustrating to me but i really believe that today we need to set some groundwork on where this is going okay on where this is going, just to get ourselves oriented in some of this direction. So three things we're going to be hitting on today. One, why this series? I've alluded a little bit to it, but I'm going to complete that out a little bit more. Why we're doing this series now. Secondly, what you can expect from this series. And more specifically, what you can expect from me out of this series. Put me on the hot plate here. And third, the one I love, what I am expecting of you. 
in this series. Okay? So, before we get rolling into this, I need God's help, and we need God's help, and so let's pray. Okay? God, we need your help. We are people who are here who want to understand you more, and I'm assuming we're here because we want to live for you better. And so, Lord, this isn't about Doug's wisdom. Oh, my, we'd be in trouble. This is all about your wisdom. And so, Father, I would pray today, would you help us as we get started in the series to move along and to kind of get our bearing on where this is going and how we should be looking at preparing ourselves for it? Because, God, just straight up, I ask that through this series, you would change lives. I'm assuming that there are people here this morning, God, who are married and whose marriages are just like, I'm ready to quit. I'm assuming there are families that are here and are in a place to where they're just like, I can't handle this kid thing anymore. And Father, I, I pray that I assume that there are people here who are singles and empty nesters and widows and, 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 and others who don't have kids, who aren't married, who are just like, God, maybe someday, but also uh, right now I'm dealing with issues in my life. And Father, I pray this is just isn't another series. I pray this is a series that truly revolutionizes some lives and trains us as a church to be better equipped to help people. So thanks for your help because we know you're here. In your name we pray. Amen. So why this series? Excuse me, but I just realized that one of the worst things to do is to take a decongestant before you speak, and because uh, I haven't been feeling well, and uh, I'm going to be drinking a bit here this morning. Okay, why this series? Why this series? Well, here's why. In fact, can you hit on the first one? Why this series? This is point number one that we're going to cover here. Why this series? Well, first of all, three items under this first one here. Go ahead and go to the next one if you could, Bruce. There we go. Okay, why this series? Three reasons why this series. Number one, because these areas of life that are shown here are important to God. Okay, They are important areas of life to God. Why is that? Because of all of life is important to God. Okay, so these are key areas. In fact, grab your Bibles because we're going to be going to some verses. And if you don't have a Bible with you today, we've got some people who can let you borrow one. Just grab their attention. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. We're going to be going to some verses today, okay? So, uh, because we're about the Bible around here. We don't just talk about it. We, like, get in it uh, because we love it. And uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. I actually quoted this verse earlier, but I want for us to read it together, okay, and different versions. It'll really be cool. It'll kind of sound like everybody's speaking in tongues, all right? But just go ahead. You ready? Let's start reading 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 now. (laughs) Okay, what's the goal of life? To bring glory to God. Hey, folks. If we don't get this item 
Forget the rest of it. I'm dead dog serious about that. If we don't get this as our goal, if your goal is not to please God with your life, then everything that God talks about doing isn't going to be what you're going to be about. Because it's not easy. All of life is about pleasing God. There are two choices on the shelf, pleasing God or pleasing self. And we are aiming down the road of pleasing God. So in all these things, what I want to know as an individual is, what does God say about this? What is God's directives for this in me? Okay? So 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Now we're going to go to Habakkuk. Okay, now here's the deal. Before we go there, okay, we're a newer church. You know, and this is kind of the way people hear like Old Testament things, you know, in the minor prophets like Habakkuk. Yeah, I know where that is. And you try and get it on the fan flow. So here's the thing. If you're new to the Bible, I am so glad you're here. Just go to the very beginning of your Bible to the contents page and keep your finger up. Serious. Keep your finger there. Okay, because we're going to be doing some page flipping here. And Habakkuk is like about the fourth book from the end of the Old Testament. All right? And that way we don't have people who are like, yeah, I know where it is because I'm spiritual. And if I know where Habakkuk is, that means I'm godly. Okay, whatever. Okay, Habakkuk chapter 3. What's the goal of life? To glorify God, to please God. Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 17. I love this. Now put yourself in the context you're an agricultural person. Your life is a farmer. Because that's the context that this is being stated from. And get this. You're a farmer, and verse 17, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no fruit. Are we saying bad news? Though the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Listen, if you're a farmer, this is like a bad time. Like, where's the government to bail this guy out? Right? But look at verse 18, the goal of life is to please God. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take a joy in the God of my salvation. Are you kidding me? No. This is, this is not a person who's going, yeah, no big deal. My kids are starving. No, no big deal. God's good. Fluffy land. No, 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 no. This is a guy who is saying, though this happens, and this happens, though the stock market collapses, though I lose all my savings, though I lose my home, I lose my job. Even in all the mess and the hurt and the hard of that, I'm going to be one who's committed to joy in the Lord. And that is hard. That is a discipline of the thinking. That is living like this. I view life through Scripture. And I know that there is a God who is sovereign over all things. And I don't know what he's trying to do, but I do know he's doing good. And we're going to hit that here in a minute. Why cover this series? Because I want for you to know that all of life is important. All of these areas are important. And we need to learn how to live those before God. Because all of life is about pleasing God. And in fact... Learning to be a pleaser of God is so important to God that God is helping us do that. 
Turn to Romans chapter 8. Hang a right into the New Testament. Acts, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And we know that all things work together for good, verse 28 says. And most Christians stop right there. You see, that's fuzzy land living. It's true, all things work together for good, and the person doesn't come home and go, hey, honey, I lost my job. (laughs) Isn't that good? That's not what this is talking about. Look at verse 29. All things work together for the good to those who love him, for whom he is called to him, that we may be conformed to the image of Christ. All things work together for good, and the good being that we be conformed to Christ. Do you realize that a sovereign God is working in the areas of your life and allowing the things in your life? God does not cause sin. God does not want sin. But God is so big, he uses sin and situations in life to grow you and I. And what we want to do is we're like the finger on a watermelon seed. When the pressure gets on, we just want to squirt out. And you hear about Christianity talk, come to Jesus and all your problems will be gone. Let me tell you something. That is biblical heresy. And I am so tired of that. Am I getting intense enough? I am so tired of that in our culture. It's an American prosperity gospel. And it's a lie. What God wants to have happen is a sovereign God is in control of all things. When we come to know him through Jesus Christ, our whole goal in life changes from pleasing me to pleasing him. Now, all of things in life by a sovereign God, when they come, I know I don't know why this happens. But God's allowing it. And God is wanting to use it for me to grow and change. You mean even a bad boss? Wait a second. Is God sovereign or not? Is God actively involved in all areas of life or not? Is God just sitting back like on the lazy boy and watching our lives on TV and going, look at that. No, God is intricately involved in all the areas of our life so that we would be allowed to be grown and shaped and moved to become more like Jesus Christ, to become more as someone who's pleasing to him. And I want to tell you, that is the pleasing God and the sovereignty of God is something that you and I have got to work on and get a hold of. Because that's why in Habakkuk he could look and say, even though all this happens, I know that God is trying to do something. And even though I don't like it, just like Job, I am going to respond and know that God is trying to grow me through this and God's in charge, God's in control. Take my life. Whatever. Easy to say. Challenge to live out. So why are we doing this series? Well, number one, because all these things are important to God. Oh, by the way, when couples, when we get into the marriage stuff, and the thought possibly comes by is, is this the right spouse? Yes. 
God is trying to grow you through it. Couldn't God have put me in a different family team? Have you ever wondered that? Oh, come on, you have. I have, when I was a kid. Yeah, he could have. But he put you in your family. Why? I don't know. But a sovereign God has done it. And it's all intended for your good and his glory. Could God have given me a different child? Yeah, but he didn't. Could God have given me a child? Yeah. Could God have prevented this medical condition from coming upon me? Yeah. Hmm. Wrestle through all that, huh? Why this series? Because all these things are important to God. Secondly, because God has given us his instructions for life in these areas. Okay? Why this series? Because God views all these things as important. And secondly, God has given us answers to these areas of life. God has given us an instruction manual. And this is not a book of questions. This is a book of answers. And so that's why in this series, this is where we're going to go. We want to try and find out God's answers for these areas of life. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, you can write that down. And God has given us all, all scriptures inspired by God, used for teaching, correction, and training in righteousness, that the man of God, that the woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now I want for you to go to 2 Peter, almost to the end of the New Testament. 2 Peter chapter 1. Verse 3. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. This is a huge one. And the question is, as I ask you, do you believe this verse? 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now, what's his divine power in the context of this? What's it referring to? Anyone know? Jim, what's it referring to? Uh, okay, uh, let, let's keep on going. I'm sorry. Uh, his divine power is granted us all things of life and godliness. What is all, what is the, what has he given to us that gives us all of life and godliness? Let's keep reading. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted us, here it is, his precious and very great promises. God says he has given us everything we need to know to live life to please him. Where? Where? Right here. This is the instruction manual. Okay? What God expects, God equips. So God has not just given us a goal, but God has also given us his words on how to live out that goal. Okay? So as we look at this, part of the thing is, is he's given us his instructions. And I want to tell you this. When, when I'm telling you about when Karen and I are latter 20s, 30 years old, we saw this as a great book that talked about God. I did not see this as a book that talked about how to be a married couple how to raise children, how to live as a single adult, how to live as a teen, how to handle problems, how to handle money, how to have a view of uh, intimacy in God's perspective, how to resolve problems. Honestly, I never saw it that way. But it is. God doesn't tell us everything we want to know, but he has told us everything that we need to know. Okay? So why this series? Because these things are important to God and because God has given us instruction for these areas, and so we need to know them. And here's the thing. If you're like, 
But Doug, I honestly, I don't know what the instructions are for these things. That's why we're doing this. Isn't it going to be fun? <laughs> Isn't it going to be fun? Okay, remember last week, PH fun? That was one of the things we were trying to do. Okay, fun. Oh, no, I won't jump on Ryan's back today. Okay, number three, why this series? Because I wanted to do this series. <laughs> How's that? No, I do want to let you know, in the, in the structure of, in the first year of the ministry here, one of the things I wanted to hit on was start getting these issues out on the table so that we can be the kind of church that helps people in these areas of life. Okay? This is something I want in the DNA of who Harvest Indy West is all about as we hit these issues. So this is a training time for you as well. Okay? So three reasons, because it's important to God, because he's given us instructions, and because this is the type of thing where we're about real people living real lives, looking for real answers at this church, and we need to be about that. Okay, second thing, what can you expect from me in this series? What can you expect from me in this series? Well, uh, two things, uh, three things. One is Bible-based, direct, practical teaching. I'm just the kind of guy, because of my past, I'm like, listen, let's cut the junk, and let's get at the answers. Yeah, we're going to be talking about things like sex. In fact, we're taking an entire Sunday to talk about that. I'm going to seek to talk about it properly, and I'm going to seek to talk about it biblically. Why? Because God talks about it. We're going to talk about money. Why? Because God talks about it. We're going to talk about what it is to be God's kind of husband. Why? Because God talks about it. And so I'm going to like, I look at this, and it's so helped me that I want to help you. And I want to get the practical realities out on the table. So we're not going to live in fuzzy world. We're going to get at it together. Uh, It's going to be a bit more like a workshop sermon each week. Okay? There's kind of a little bit of a nuance to it that's going like that. So there's a bit of a workshoppiness at it. And that's just what's going to take place in order to get this out. The other thing is this is going to be a topical series. Now, some of you who have church backgrounds and may have some views on it are like... I thought this is a church that only does exegetical teaching. If you don't know what that means, that's all right. Here, I'm going to explain to you what we're talking about. Uh, Listen, there is someone out there, some preacher somewhere said, you know what, pastors, you can preach one topical series a year and then repent. Um, I I don't hold to that. Um, Let me just make some mention. If you're wondering what I'm talking about, when you pick topics and teach on topics, there's a couple uh, common problems. One is things get pulled out of context easily. Okay? And so part of my job is making sure that context fits. I don't know if you've already noticed, but I've already tried to do that in a couple of verses that we've talked about in laying some context of where that's coming from. But that's part of my job. Let me give you a couple examples of what Christians love to do. In fact, I've seen it on TV and some of the football players with the, with the black tags under their eyeballs. Uh, Philippians 4.13. I call this the pull-up verse. Because when I was at camp out in Colorado as a kid and doing 10 pull-ups or however many ungodly at that time number of pull-ups you're supposed to be able to do, I couldn't do. And so I'm on seven. And everybody's out there. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I'm like, dude, cool, but I can't do it. And I got done with that. And I literally was thinking, I can't do these pull-ups because I don't have enough faith in Jesus. Does he care how many pull-ups I can do? Listen, that's taking that passage out of context. What's the context around that passage? Contentedness. 
Paul is talking about how I can live contented, content in all situations. He's talking about a character reality. I can be content in all situations because of Christ. That's what that's talking about. I wish I would have known that at the time because if I would have jumped down, I would have, listen, I can be content in Jesus. Philippians 4.13, back to you. <laughs> can you tell, like, I haven't given some things up in my past? <laughs> that's one. Another one is Matthew 18.20, for where two or three are gathered my name, there am I with them. Let me tell you something. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. That verse is not talking about if there's two or three together, Jesus is there. Listen, when one's there, Jesus is there. What's that talking about? It's talking about in the context of uh, a believer restoration or commonly called church discipline. That listen, when two or three believers come together and agree on a situation of someone not seeking repentance for that and not repenting from that, it's as if they are acting as God's representatives in this situation. And we oftentimes use that and we pray here at church. Oh, God, we know it says that for we're two or three are gathered, you're here. Listen, we don't have to quote that one. It's not talking about that. He's here, right? Okay, he's here. So on this, one of the things with topical is things get taken out of context. I've got to work at not doing that. Other problem with topical messages is oftentimes preachers get on their pet projects. I'm going to try and stay off of those because one of the wonderful things about going through passages of Scripture is you cover things you do like and you don't like. It's about the whole counsel of God and uh, addressing all of the issues. I will likely have about one topical series a year with the remainder being, quote, exegetical. In fact, look back at the beginning of the year. We had worship, walk, and work. I took one passage on each of those to get started in our first three weeks. Then we covered Be Amazed by the life of Christ in the Gospel of Mark. We went from beginning to end. Then we went through Ephesians, brought the life, taught to live. We went through the book of Ephesians, ended it the middle of uh, chapter 5 so that we could jump into a Christmas series. And the Christmas series we sought to do with Eric and I together, doing Luke chapters 1 and 2. I just want to tell you, that's the kind of church we're about, walking through texts of Scripture. But here at this time, every so often, if I were to pick two topical series I would do in the first two years, it would be the one we're doing now, and the second would be how to handle emotions biblically. Anger and fear and depression and guilt and all those kinds of areas that people struggle. Because in those two series are 98% of all counseling that Karen and I have done and others have done is contained within that. So it's the kind of thing that helps us uh, as we grow. So one of them, one of the things is I want for you to know, I'm going to seek to bring Bible-based, direct, practical teaching in this series. The second thing I'm committing to you is that I'm going to make this teaching valuable to all. Listen, oftentimes this is a situation. Churches have a tendency just to focus on couples with kids. And singles, we've got a number of singles here. We've got empty nesters like me and Karen. I'm loving it. And uh, these kinds of things. And we often look at this, and here's what I'm going to seek to commit to all of you. When we go through this, for all people, older and younger, teens and younger single adults and older adults that are widowed or empty nesters, I'm going to every week try and bring in realities that come out of this. Because... If you're single, one day you may be married. And man, I wish I would have had some of this stuff before I went into our marriage. And listen, teens, you may be thinking, this is irrelevant to me. No, I'm going to try and bring some of this back into dating. 
and how you hit something. So I'm going to commit to you that I'm trying to bring all people into this. By the way, older folks, empty nesters. Karen and I, over the years, as we've worked with young couples, one of the biggest problems we deal with with young couples is them handling their in-laws. And I'm going to be giving you some directives on how leave, cleave, and weave applies to you. Okay? So I'm going to seek to bring it to, for all of us here, and that's a commitment I have to you. The third is, is we're going to have access to a whole bunch of resources. We're going to be starting to do a book table starting next Sunday. And uh, I've got over $5,000 in books that are coming in. And I want for you to know that this is why I've sought the, the specific books that I've sought to bring about. I've tried to pick, as Karen and I have sought to pick, books on areas of life that we think are like if we were to give you any one, suggest any one, these are the ones. I'm just going to highlight some here for you. Uh, when sinners say I do, every couple needs to buy this one. By the way, at our cost. Okay, this is not a money maker. Strengthening your marriage. Now, I'm going to talk about some of these each week, so don't worry about having to hurry and write them down. But strengthening your marriage by Wayne Mack. Different than that, very helpful. We use this all the time with couples and helping them in their uh, marriage together. Another, Karen's favorite book for women, Help, Help Her by Design. Uh, my favorite book with guys, The Complete Husband. Guys, you got to get it. God said. Okay. Okay. Another one for families. And there's also um, some that uh, peacemaking for women, even peacemaking for teens, I might be able to get in. But peacemaking for families. Listen, families, you need this one. Because there's conflict in homes. And how do you resolve problems? Tremendous, tremendous resource and tool for that. Another, parents, shepherding your child's heart. If you haven't read this and you have a kid, repent. Okay, the heart of anger. This is every parent, if I, and this is kind of where I'm saying, if I had two books to give to parents, these would be the two. The Heart of Anger, because it lear, looks at getting at the heart. What's going on in my kid when it's like, no, I want that, and I throw a tantrum. Mm, mm. Teen parents, parents with teens, Age of Opportunity, phenomenal book uh, for you. Just some others. Uh, your Divorce, Now What? Little booklets we'll have. Single Out for Him for Singles. Pre-Engagement, Not Married Yet. But that's going to my son. Anger. Uh, how do I deal with anger? Talking about that happening in life. Uh, handling the past biblically. We oftentimes bring our past into the present and what's going on. How do we handle it biblically? Uh, responding properly when God's plans differ from my own. You control freaks? Uh, here's, sex is not the problem. Lust is. Okay, sex is not the problem. Lust is. This is especially for singles or individuals struggling with lust. And uh, every guy needs this one. And I mean this, sex, romance, and the glory of God. And wives, you need to read the last chapter. Uh, really, really good stuff. So I just want for you to know we're going to be having a table out with a number of books. Not all of them are going to be put out at once, but we're going to be putting different ones out at different times so that they become available to you. Because I only have 40 minutes ish <laughs> right nick <laughs> nick's laughing the hardest okay uh so i promise to do those things i just want to let you know that right up front okay i promise to seek to work at this hard because to tell you the truth topical series are harder than walking through a book and they're hard honestly they're harder on me okay last what i expect from you um 
because of time, I'm gonna, we're not going to go to a passage. I'm going to make mention of it to you. What I expect from you, I expect you to be hearers and doers. Straight up. I expect you to be hearers and doers. Write down Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. At the end, the context is, is the end of the Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5, 6, and 7. Jesus gives an illustration. It's the closing point of the sermon. The time where he's trying to drive home the application to the people. And in it, he gives an illustration. It's this. I'll sum it up. He says there's two houses. One house is built on sand. One house is built on stone. By the way, this is not a story illustration about sand and stone. That's Corinthians. This is about a house, an illustration built on sand. And that that house is described as someone who hears things. In other words, they just heard this sermon out there. And when storms of life come along, that house falls. It's referring to a life. And Jesus says, in essence, hey, listen, all of you who hear on the Sermon on the Mount, all of you who are hearing, this can leave as this kind of person, who hear and walk away and just hear and leave it at that. And when life storms come along, I'm just going to tell you, Jesus is saying, your life's going to collapse. You're going to have hard times and not deal with it. Then there's another house. There's a house that's built on the rock. There's a house that hears, same thing, that hears these words of mine and does them. That's the difference. What's the difference between the two houses? Both both houses hear. By the way, both houses have life problems. The storms of life hit this house. The storms of life hit this house. But this house walks away hearing This house walks away hearing and doing and stands in the hard times of life. And so I'm going to be asking you to be hearers and doers. What's a hearer? What am I talking about as a hearer? Let me make a couple comments. Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24, write that down. David, at the end of Psalm 139, sits down and says, Oh God, is there any way in me that you can find that I need to change? Show me what I need to change. And God, I'm going to work at changing. That's someone who's a hearer. Someone who comes in not listening to a sermon, but listening as someone who, I'll term it, as a counselee. I'm coming today because I want to change. I want to grow. By the way, with that, write down Matthew 7, verses 3 through 5. Matthew 7, verses 3 through 5. Jesus is talking about, why do you worry about the speck in someone else's eye when you've got a great big huge honk and timber coming out of your own eye? That's what it's talking about. Let me, for time, let me shrink it this way. Point the finger in the series at you. No elbow nudging. Hey, honey, you really got to listen to this week. And by the way, when it comes on like, Husbands, when it comes to your week, you know what? I'm feeling sick this week. Okay, none of that. This is about pointing your finger at yourself. Hey, listen, it's termed this way. I am more serious about my sin in my life than I am about your sin in your life. And couples. Yeah, but Doug, it's 80% his problem. Whatever. You take 100% responsibility for your part. If, it's five, if you're 5% of the problem in a marriage, 
then you're about 100% of your 5%. Okay? It's, it's about you. It's about growing on you. Get more serious about what you need to grow in than others. We're going to talk later on in the series about how we move from I desire. I desire this and then I demand it. I desire to have a godly wife. My wife's not being a godly wife, and I demand it. No, uh-huh. We've just moved into the wrong course. Because when I desire and I demand, then I judge. And then when I judge, after I judge, I then condemn. And we're going down the wrong path. This is about you and your growth. Get the log out of your eye. Let's be gracious. Let's be forgiving. Let's realize that everyone in here is growing and changing. I don't have it together. I'm the pastor. I've got a bigger axe on my neck than you do in some ways. But I'm growing and changing too. And I expect the same out of you. Hearts that leave the pride at the door and come in and focus in on you. That's a hearer. And finally, a doer. James 1.25, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being not a hearer only, but a doer, he, she, will be blessed. You're not blessed by the hearing from God's perspective. You're blessed in the doing. So I do. I expect for you to leave here and do. And I'm going to seek to help to give you things because oftentimes it's like, I don't know what to do. And I'm going to seek to try and help you in some of these areas on what to do. But use your connection group and your breakout time and your accountability time for this. Uh, uh, Be changing and growing and be blessed as a doer. So I expect you to be hearers. Are you willing to be hearers? Let's say I do. Are you willing to be doers? Are you willing to be gracious and forgiving in this? Yeah, maybe that's a good way to put it. We're going to try. Yeah, we're working on it. We're working on it. Okay? Hey, you come into this series, as I mentioned, uh, this is an introduction to what's going on. But next week, we're going to start digging in. And uh, we're going to be talking about the purpose of marriage and what that looks like. And... uh, we are going to have some pH fun. All right? If you weren't out here last week, just let that one run by. All right. Let's, uh, let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, thank you so much just for the time together and for your grace in our lives. God, um, I just so appreciate this body of people. This is a group of people that uh, truly want to be able to grow and change in you. I just would ask that you would help us to be hearers of your word. Father, I pray, would you really help me to be the kind of pastor and the kind of teacher that teaches from your word? Lord God, would you help me to be humble and to uh, seek to be real? God, would you help us all to glorify you. We all have areas to change. All of our life is for you. And yet we struggle to give you all of our life. So we need your help. We really need your help. 
God, may we be humble. Help us. May you be glorified and just delight in a group of people that are seeking to help each other to honor you. Thanks. We love you. Take our lives. In your name we pray. Amen.